well, Bill was very kind, you know, in his introduction uh, of me. But I know that every time um, you come to church and the the uh, pastor is not speaking, there's always this uh, disappointment. And especially if this is your first time, you go, "Why did I come today?" You know. <laughs> and then there's the rest of you who know me, and you go, "Why are they letting him speak again?" And they, and uh, in a desperate attempt to gain some credibility with you, I just want to remind you, last week, Bill was up here preaching, and you remember that a page fell out of his Bible? You remember that? And he said, you know, this is really a good thing, because it says, shows that you've been, work, you know, using your Bible and sort of a mark of spirituality. I just wanted you to notice that this week, my whole Bible fell out of my Bible. <laughs> So, if you see Bill dropping his Bible and stuff, you'll know he's trying to catch up with me, right? (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Well, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 23 this morning. uh, And I'm not sure exactly how I got here uh, as I began to prepare for the sermon uh, you know, different aspects of God's character are important to different people. Uh, some people, God's sovereignty is really the thing that is, excites them. Or for someone else, maybe it's God's wisdom. Uh, for me, it really has always been God's love, just the security of that. It may be, you know, that I have a, a deep-seated sort of sense of insecurity in myself, and that's why I'm drawn to the security that we have in the Lord. Um, But I wanted to start with something that I learned a long time ago somewhere uh, where they took the first verse of Psalm 23 and they they repeated it three times with different emphasis. And I want to do that for us. And it simply goes, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. And the Lord is my shepherd. All of them are amazing statements. And... uh, if Bill was preaching on this text, it'd be six weeks at least, you know, before we got through this. We're going to do it in one this morning. But let's pray before we begin. Lord, the songs have said everything already in so many ways. They're wonderful, uh, how good you have been. How all the, through all the things of our life, you have been there, <clears throat> cared for us, loved us. Uh, and we're here this morning just to say thank you we're here because we love you lord open our eyes and our ears again i pray this this old psalm that we all know that you'd um, help us to hear it again hear your voice this morning that's it in jesus name amen let's read psalm 23 not that we need to but let's just do this once i'll use the niv today it says the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, the thesis, the basic image of the psalm is obviously that the Lord is like a shepherd or the Lord is a shepherd uh, for us. And the connotations that it brings up are lots of different things. Uh, We think of God's attentiveness, think of his faithfulness, his compassion, um, his wisdom in taking care of us, all these things. And I think for everybody, practically, it raises all these good emotions when you think about the Lord being like that. It just makes you feel good to know that he's there and cares for us. I can see that I'm going to need to drink water this time. Excuse me. Um, You know, I work with um, international students, uh, most of who are not Christians, and one of the great joys for me is just to be able to tell them there really is a God, you know, and he's wonderful. He loves you. Um, That's such a great message. And it's great, at least, even just uh, for the fact that the alternatives are terrible. Uh, If this is not true, we are really in trouble. Um, If God is like one of the Greek mythical gods, for instance, um, we're in trouble. The Greek mythical gods essentially were lecherous old men who were very powerful. And you could never know what they were going to do. That description uh, probably fits lots of rulers through history. Very powerful men uh, who uh, were just very interested in themselves, essentially. And you didn't know what in the world would happen. If God is like that, we are in trouble. Or you have the other obvious alternative that if God is simply evil. In the Lord of the Rings series, you've got Sauron as the, the evil something who lives over there in Mordor searching for the ring. By the way, if you ever noticed my wedding ring, it is obviously the ring of power right there. <laughs> it's just like that one they've got in the movie. I shouldn't have said that. That makes me sound evil, doesn't it? <laughs> Just I saw it there. I had to say something. But Sauron is this evil, powerful being over in Mordor. And everything around him is deformed and twisted. It's dark and evil and lacks life. Uh, And the threat is that he's going to gain control of the entire world, you know, in these books. And if God is evil, we are in terrible trouble. And interesting to me that as I've talked to people, talked to students uh, and just people over the years about uh, the gospel and the Lord, it's just striking to me how much that is people's view of God. Even though we tend to, in the church, think God is good, that's at least our, our uh, general comment. But I even remember as a boy, um, I, was, I don't know where this was, I went into a room somewhere and the TV was on. And you know who was on the TV? A very scary figure, Billy Graham, was on that TV. And he was preaching away, probably pounding, like I never do, really, when I preach here. And he was talking about Jesus. He was talking about sin. I bet the devil was in there and all these things. And, you know, I stood way far away from that TV. And I wanted to kind of listen, but I didn't want to get too close to the TV because there was something really scary about this stuff to me. Uh, and, you know, 
people generally, when they think of God, are afraid of him. Uh, they, they don't know what is out there exactly, if it's some just spirit that has power of some sort. Um, people are afraid of death. Why are people afraid of death? Well, it's unknown, obviously, but, but they don't know what's going to happen afterwards, but they're afraid uh, that it's going to be bad. And so whenever they hear the stories of uh, near-death experience and there's this bright light at the end of the tunnel, you know, those are really popular stories <laughs> because that would be nice if that were true. And, and they think maybe it's not. Maybe there's something out there that's really scary. Um, but uh, David's comment and our psalm essentially is uh, very much the opposite. He says, you know, the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's wonderful. Uh, and that's a great thing to tell anybody. It's a great thing to tell ourselves. It's a great thing for me to tell students. Uh, but it does raise a basic question, and that is, is it true? Uh, how do we know that the Lord is a good shepherd, you know, that he'll take care of us? And you ask David the question, how do you know that the Lord is a, a good shepherd? And one of the, well, the first thing he does in the psalm, I think, essentially is give us his reasons for thinking the Lord is a good shepherd. It's not an academic argument. It's not a philosophic argument uh, for all this. It's really just a testimony from his life. He simply tells us a few things that God has done for him that lead him to this conclusion. The first thing is simply, he says, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, The picture is basic provision. The Lord has taken care of me all my life. When you have a child, every time someone gives birth to a child, uh, there's an unwritten contract that immediately goes into effect, whether we know it or not. Uh, The contract says, since I have brought you into this world, I agree to be here for you for the rest of your life. I agree that I will be here and... Whenever you're crying, I will hold you, little one. And whenever you need food, I will provide it. And whenever you're scared, you can be close to me. And whenever you need shoes, I'll get the shoes for you. There's this contract that parents have with children. And whenever we break it, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, David says, you know, the Lord has been my provider all of my life. He has kept that contract to care for me. And uh, for many of us, maybe our parents didn't really quite come through on that contract. But he says the Lord has come through. The Lord will come through always for us. Uh, He will simply be the provider we need. And this talks about basics here. The basics that you think of for all these things. And uh, children, when they're young, uh, of course, never really notice that you do these things for them. Uh, you're, you're doing all these things. You're staying up all night long, you know, getting up in the middle of the night. And they never notice that. And uh, they don't notice where the food comes from. It just grows in the refrigerator, maybe, you know. Clothes grow in the closet. Cars sort of live in the driveway. Uh, when they get older, 
they, they begin to realize that their parents, you know, give them these things. Now, you know, some of you may have teenagers and they have not realized this yet quite, you know. But they eventually get around to noticing that, you know, my parents have given their life for me. And David says, the Lord has been that way for me. He has just taken care of me. He's provided the basics and a whole lot more for me. But as he thinks about that, I think that you have to say what comes into his mind, like in anybody's mind, is all the times where it simply seems he has not provided for me. Um, all the difficult times that David had. And David had lots of difficult times. Uh, if you've read his story, it's a wild story. It's a wild story of a guy who is pursued by the king, you know, and is trying to kill him for years. His son rebels against him. He tries to kill him and take the uh, kingdom away. And you hear echoes of David's grief and the things he went through through some of the other Psalms. And Psalm 22 is one that Jesus quotes. David writes this particular day. You can tell he was having a hard day. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and, and I'm not silent. Flip back to 13. Similar thing, he says, How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? He's, uh, he's in trouble here. He was, he was having a day where nah, God, it seems like, just was not there. And he looks back, though, on his life, and he thinks about all those times, and he thinks, you know, but the Lord rescued me. The Lord brought me through all of those things. And here I am today. You know, when, when that happened, I thought, I thought that was the end. There was no more hope. Um, I didn't know what would happen. But here I am. He brought me through it. He rescued me. Restoration talks about something was wrong and you had to be brought back, you know, restored. He says, the Lord did that for me. The Lord did it again and again and again. He rescued me. He has really been wonderful to me all this time. And the third thing he talks about here is how the Lord has guided him. When he looks back on his life, David sees the same thing that everybody sees, and that is that life never goes in a straight line. Life never goes in a straight line. It always is full of twists and turns. There are always detours we have to take. There are roadblocks that we run into. Uh, endlessly, you know, life never goes the way you thought it was going to go last week, <laughs> let alone this year, you know, the way you planned for it when you were in college. College students are always worried about planning exactly where they're going to go, and we say, you know, you'd be surprised what's going to happen to you, <laughs> because life just doesn't go in a straight line. And David thinks back on his life and what a circuitous route he took. He started out as the youngest son of nobody, and he says, I'm the king of Israel. This is unbelievable. <laughs> and through all those hard times that I had, you know, I just didn't know what to do. But 
the Lord kind of showed me the way. He guided me through all of those things. And he brought me here today. Amazingly, when you're young, you know, you're very worried about what's going to be in your future. Uh, my children are both, I have one who's going to graduate from, next, uh, from college next year. Uh, Sarah is going to graduate in art and Russian. That's the nightmare of a, of a father, of a daughter who graduates in art and Russian. And, you know, I'm desperately thinking, Lord, please, Lord, guide her into something. You know, let her find a niche where she can eat and these kind of things. You know, and is there a guy out there maybe who would maybe major in engineering? You know, <laughs> you know and you just... You pray the Lord guide, you know, when you're young, you're concerned about that. And further along in life, things happen, and sometimes things happen, and you just don't know what to do next, and you lose your job, or your marriage begins to have difficulty, or some such thing, and you just don't know what to do. And Lord, please show me what to do. You know, please show me what to do. And David looks back, and he says, Lord, you did that. You guided me all of my life. You gave me a place. You got me through all these things. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. You know, you really are a good shepherd. And I'd simply say, you know, amen. That is certainly what the Lord has done for me as well and uh, what I pray for my children. But if that's David saying why he thinks the Lord is good, because he's provided for him, uh, because he's uh, rescued him, because he's guided him along. Uh, The other question I began to think of is, what would I say if someone asked me, Len, why do you think God is good? You know, why do you think that? And there's several things, you know, that I began to answer that. I thought about my life and what God has done. But there's one thing all Christians would add to that. And if David were writing this psalm now, he would come up with another line in there. I thought about trying to do that, but decided maybe that was not a good idea. But in Colossians 1.15, it says, Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. And if you want to see what God is like, you look at Jesus. And as you look at Jesus, it's the ultimate argument, the ultimate proof for us that God really is good. I don't know what stories you remember about Jesus. Uh, there are so many that are our favorites, but I think of him. I think it was at Peter's house, um, and it was Sabbath. The end of the Sabbath comes, and all these people start coming to the house, bringing their sick children, uh, bringing their sick uh, spouses or parents, and it says Jesus heals them. And you can imagine the scene if you let yourself get into the scene. I, You know, you imagine somebody bringing this little child who's sick and meekly asking Jesus, could you help my child, you know? And Jesus, you see him take this little child and and hold it and, and whisper to it, you know, like we do babies. And he gives the child back, you know, and it's healed. What a wonderful picture, you know? An old person who comes... Uh, really weak. You know, there are very few medicines. And Jesus just goes over and embraces this person. And when he releases the embrace, the person is well. What a beautiful picture, you know? What a good shepherd. 
What a loving, uh, compassionate person. If this is the image of God, he's good. And when you listen to Jesus' stories, he tells us again and again, he just reassures us, God is wonderful. You know, he's like this father whose prodigal son had left. (laughs) And when the son finally returns, the father runs out to this boy. He runs out because he's so glad he's home. He's that kind of father. (laughs) And then when you watch Jesus die, if you can recapture the wonder, the horror on one sense of Jesus' death, and you see, he did that for me. He did that for me. He is wonderful. And that's the, the real argument. It's the final argument, despite all of our personal experience, uh, that he is a wonderful shepherd. But the next question that seems to me that David deals with beyond why do you believe this, David, is so what? So what? If God is a good shepherd, what difference does that make? And this is where he comes to verse 4. <clears throat> says something that when you read it and think about it is unbelievable. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Did you hear that one? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I I know that there's this thing that says no fear that's written on t-shirts. I don't know what this is from or what it means, but I can kind of imagine David within this no fear t-shirt he wears around you know and what he's saying here is that you know no matter what is coming in my life i am ready i am not afraid no matter what difficulty is about to happen to me i am not afraid no matter despite what is going on right now in my life that's that's difficult it's okay i am not worried That's an astounding statement, really. Even if you were to tell me that this sickness I have is not going to get any better, I'm going to die. I am not afraid. That's an astounding statement. (laughs) Um, The question is, are you afraid of anything that's around the corner in your life? Does this economy have you worried? Uh, I don't know what's happened to your savings. The older you are, uh, an economy hits like this. Uh, Are you worried about your savings and what's going to happen to you? Are you worried about your job or your company? To lose a job in the United States is a terrible thing. We, We talk about our safety net, but it has a lot of holes in it. When you're suddenly without health insurance... Uh, and able to pay your bills. Are you worried about that? Are you, are you frightened you might lose your job or not be able to find one? Or how about your marriage? Um, afraid it's not going to get any better? Uh, or your relationship with your children? Or your own health? Are you concerned about those things? Uh, are you concerned something bad might happen? Of course, the truth is, Something bad will happen. (laughs) Something bad is guaranteed to happen to you, to me, to all of us. It's just a matter of when. 
And I confess that I am often concerned about my kids. I'm concerned about Sarah when she graduates from college. Ethan, I didn't tell you, Ethan, you know, I had, I had a good son. I had a good son, you know. He was going to major in engineering. Now he wants to major in literature, you know. <laughs> Think, how can David say, I am not afraid, no matter what's going to happen? I'm not afraid about what my kids will major in, you know. I'm not afraid about my health or the job or the economy. Several things, I think, that just real quickly he sees, he mentions. He says, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and first thing that grabs me is that it's a valley. You know, and valleys are great because you go down into them, but then you come back up the other side. There's a beginning and there's an end. And David's perspective is this is a valley. You know, this is, no matter what happens to me, it's going to be a valley. It's not an endless, eternal canyon that I'm stuck in somehow. It's a valley. It will begin, but it will end also. Uh, that little statement, this too shall pass, significant. In many ways, for us, this whole life is a valley. You know, this whole life is a valley. And coming out on the other side is called heaven. Praise the Lord. And for a Christian, death. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And you already know that you will die. But for a Christian, death even is a valley. And we come up on the other side of the valley, and I don't know exactly what it's like. <laughs> I assume I wake up and I kind of shake my head and I, I, oh, wow, I'm home. This is great. You know, I've come out on the other side of the valley. And I think David says, things are just valleys. And he says, and I'm not afraid because you are with me. Companionship means so much when you're in the middle of suffering and when you're, when you're really scared. Just to have somebody else there to sit close to you, to hold your hand, to hug you. And I, I am so thankful personally, like David, that you can close your eyes at any point and for me, I almost think about it as just this, this room, and there's nobody here but me and the Lord. And I can't hear anything going on outside. It's just us two, and I can be with him and just be in this peaceful space, no matter what else is going on, because the Lord is with me. That's a wonderful refuge. And he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the picture is that the Lord is still in control. You know, we're going through a valley, but the Lord is still there and his, he has his rod and his staff still. And that means he's strong enough to deliver me. He can deliver me from whatever this is that I'm going through or whatever will come. He'll go through it. He'll have his rod and staff. He can deliver me, you know. Um, he's always there and... Uh, I don't have to worry, ultimately. It won't just be some blind fate or some such thing. And this, is, this statement is, to me, particularly, it's always been particularly, what? Almost unbelievable. I, hard to understand, but even our difficulties, even the terrible things that happen to us in life are somehow woven into this tapestry of God's plan for me. But this is still part of his guidance into paths of righteousness. We're walking through this valley, 
And the Lord is still in control. You know, and Paul echoes the same thing uh, in Romans and, and other places, that nothing separates us from the love of God. I've been pleased that the, the uh, Bible and Christianity does not deny troubles in life. But what it does do is say that we have an unshakable hope in the midst of ups and downs in a broken world. Because the world is certainly broken. You are broken. We're going to have difficulty. But the good news is that no matter what is coming, you will be okay. No matter what is going to come in your life or what is there right now, you are going to be okay. Because the Lord really is a good shepherd. He really is with you. And he has that rod and staff. This is only a valley. But beyond this, David goes on to say something that is really the, the positive opposite of what he's just said. And I was searching through the dictionary to try to figure out how do you say the positive opposite. I thought, is this the obverse or the converse or verse, verse. I don't know how to say this, but it's the positive opposite. Because not only is he not afraid of whatever is going to come, but he says, verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What he's saying is, not only am I not afraid about what's coming, I expect something good. He says, goodness and love surely will follow me all the days of my life. The norm, he expects the norm in his life to be good things. And not just someday, you know, today. He expects something good to happen from the Lord. And not only uh, something good today, but the rest of his life. He expects the whole rest of his life to be like this. That good things will just continue to happen to him from the Lord. And it's like that he... He never expects to see a day where God's blessing doesn't break through into his life. Sort of like rays of sun breaking through the clouds. You know, he never expects a day that's just clouds. He expects the sun is going to break through. The sun of God's blessing is going to break through in my life. Something good is going to happen in my life every day. And uh, the picture here is great because it says the goodness and love will follow me. And the word for follow is really pursue or chasing, like you're chasing somebody around. So the picture is goodness and love or chasing David around. But really, that means the Lord, you know, is chasing David around. This can be a pretty lighthearted scene if you think about it here. But God's chasing David around. Why? Just, just to show him another way, you know, in some other way that he's really special to him. Just to show him that... He really loves him. Uh, this is what everybody wants. You know, everybody wants a wife or a husband who's constantly somehow showing them that they love them, uh, doing something to, to let them know <clears throat> they're really special. And, of course, the truth is uh, your husband or wife will never be what you would ultimately hope for, you know, because they're people too. But it says the Lord is. The Lord is like that. Um, and some people, some people are gift givers. Do you know any gift givers? You know, these type of, they're wonderful people to know because they're always giving you things. They're writing you little notes or they're giving you little gifts. They wrap up in little packages. 
And they're just so encouraging to have these people around. And uh, every time I preach, it seems like I mention Margarita Petrovna in Kiev, Ukraine. But when <clears throat> we were there, I was so scared. I was so worried about the future and just so insecure. And uh, early on, I went into Margarita Petrovna's office one day and Len, Len, I have something for you, you know? And I said, oh, and she pulls out this bag of potatoes out of the locker. <clears throat> and those potatoes, you know, meant the world to me. I'm still talking about this bag of potatoes, you know, eight years later. <clears throat> but she just gave me this little bag of potatoes, say, Len, I love you, you know? I'm glad you're here. And she was like that. She would just give us gifts. And it was so encouraging. Uh, and my wife, my dear cute wife, just returned from Oregon, a week in Oregon, and she brought me a gift. This is a little Bing and Grandal uh, Christmas plate. I don't know if you've ever seen these before. She knew I liked these. And this, uh, she brought it, and I mean, it's just pretty to have. Fairy, but, but she said it was, uh, it's the 1975 one. And uh, she said, I got this because this is the year we met. Ding, 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 ding. And as she wins the prize, <clears throat> she could have anything she wanted, you know, after that. But David is saying, you know, this is exactly what the Lord is like. He's a gift giver. He's just always doing something to let you know you're special, that he really loves you. And that is crazy. That is crazy that God would relate to you and me like that. <laughs> Again, Paul echoes this. Romans 8, the end of the chapter, he says, Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Sword, famine, peril, nothing, you know. Even in the midst of all that stuff, you look around, and you're going to see God's love in your life. And he says, even the bad stuff, Romans 8, 28, you know, he's going to use all things for your good. He's going to transform even the terrible stuff somehow to bring about good for you. You cannot lose with this God, with this shepherd. <clears throat> and the good news in this part is, I said before the good news was that no matter what comes, you will be okay. The good news is here, there's something good coming. There's something good around the corner today. <laughs> there's something good around the corner tomorrow. There's something good for the rest of your life that will happen day by day from the Lord uh, because he really is a good shepherd. And amazingly, your destiny is not simply to be at peace with this God. And your destiny is not simply to know this God. Your destiny is not even to simply be blessed constantly by this God. <clears throat> but he ends the, ends the little poem, the little song here, by telling you, <clears throat> your destiny is to live in the house of the Lord forever. Your destiny is to live in his house. He has adopted you. And you're going to be there forever as a cherished child Every morning you, when you wake up, he's going to be there, happy to see you. He has planned a day for you. And he wants to just tell you he loves you again.
So I'll end the same way I began this sermon with the first line. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's amazing. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. Let's pray. This is too good to be true, Lord. This is too good to be true, it seems, that you have chosen us, each of us individually. You've chosen us to adopt us into your family, to love us, that you will never break this unwritten contract to constantly care for us as a parent, care for a child. You provide You rescue us when we're in the midst of hard things. You guide us through it all and bring us to places we would never have thought we'd get to. Hmm. And that, Lord, we don't have to be afraid ever, ever. Hmm. And that something good, Lord, you even have for us today. Thank you for being that kind of wonderful shepherd to us. We're here to worship you and just say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for the benediction here.